Welcome back to another episode of the Slow Talk Podcast, where we shine the spotlight on culture, commerce, and community, and uh, included in that is interesting people. And in the studio with me today is a friend and um, somebody that's had a degree of impact in our community, Abe Lincoln. Abe, welcome on board, man. (laughs) Thanks so much, James. Uh, It's a great introduction. Well, you know, it's true. I I met you and you were working with... um, a nonprofit that we did some some work for, the Slow Nor Foundation. Yep. You were the executive director, and we had the privilege on on working on some things together. In fact, it was a podcast series, among other things. And more than believe, uh, I think, is the name of that. A- absolutely, that yeah. was that was um, a, a great adventure. Um, my first time into the podcast world, um, but really enjoyed it. So great process. Yeah, and it it was uh, it was eye opening because you brought in different leaders in the community that either led nonprofits or were involved in, in doing good in the community. And so it shined the light on, hey, don't just talk about it, but do something. Right. And um, I thought the stories were fascinating. Here you are directing a nonprofit, but you brought in many others. And what it really did is, to me, it just said, hey, we're a big community and all of us work together. And then and then fast forward. Now, the most yeah. recent thing that's okay. <laughs> kind of on, on, on the radar screen, which is interesting, is this whole thing called Abe Lincoln Films. Yeah, yeah. It's something, um, you know, I, I started, you know, less than a year ago. It's, it is a, uh, there were not a lot of great things to come out of the pandemic, but, you know, some perspective, some uh, ability to take some time and think about, you know, what you really want to do, um, and a lot of time at home. And so uh, this was one of those things that um, kind of came to me. I, uh, I turned 50 in 2020, um, so it was a big birthday and one of the crazier years, I think, that any of us seen. Um, and so I really had to, you know, I just kind of sat back and thought, you know, what am I going to do? What do I want to do? And, um, I've, I've always loved, um, films and entertainment and music. And, um, that's kind of how it started. Now I've known that about you in terms of music entertainment. Yeah. The film component was kind of new to me. Mm -hmm. And then I think we talked a couple of weeks ago, uh, getting ready for this interview. And you mentioned that. You somehow cobbled together some money and bought a camera. I did actually. So, um, so the, the the film thing goes back. I mean, you know, uh, I was a, a kid in the '80s and and uh, spent uh, a ridiculous amount of time in the local video store, you know, renting VHS tapes and watching every movie that I could. So. It's always been there, but it's really kind of was something beyond my my grasp, I, I guess. I don't know. Um, and uh, so this was something I had I had thought about. I worked with um, Bob Williams over at uh, Films for Good, who put together um, a documentary on the Slow Nor Foundation, and I was I really enjoyed that. Uh, but I thought, you know, this is an opportunity to do something on my own. Um, like I said, I had I had some time. And I spent uh, uh, hours learning how to use uh, an editing software called DaVinci Resolve. Um, took online classes and figured that out. And 
and then I then I kind of started, and and um, one thing led to another. I did find some money thanks to uh, the stimulus package, actually. So, this is this is my use of uh, uh, the the stimulus package. Um, I decided, well, I'm gonna uh, buy a camera and some lights. Um, and some equipment and and jump in and see where we can go from there. It, it sounded like, you know, the stimulus money helped the economy in terms you purchased some goods, but it also sounded, I mean, from every look of it, it sounded like some lights went on internally. Yeah. I mean, you got stim- creatively stimulated. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, uh, you know, I like I said, I took that time. Uh, this whole thing kind of started with... Uh, uh, certainly during the pandemic, and like I mentioned, my birthday, I reached out to um, high school friends, alumni. You know, that's what Facebook's good for, right? You keep you keep in touch with all these high school people, and um, I, I kind of realized that we were all turning fifty in twenty twenty, and we were all stuck at home. You know, there's no no big parties, no you know black balloons or or you know what what, what have you, and so I I started. Uh, I had this idea, and I said, what if I interview you over Zoom, right? Uh, and then I'm going to use all these editing things, and I started to put together 80s music and clips and old pictures, and I'd, I'd spend about an hour with somebody. I'd edit it down to a 10- to 15-minute clip and kind of just created, um, you know, a small little web series um, for, you know, the population of a couple hundred people. Um, and I did about 20 episodes of that during the pandemic, and, and it kind of reconnected a lot of people. And so it was a lot of fun, and that's kind of how it started. Is that out there, or was that just for your group? Uh, that was most—it it exists, but it was, it was kind of a private thing. I, I, uh, I, it turns out, and you may know this a little bit, um, but some of my uh, classmates from a long time ago didn't realize that um, I'm a pretty good interviewer, and I really get people to open up and forget they're being recorded, um, which was great. And you know, I, I made sure everybody was okay with it. Um, but a lot of people got you know real open and and real personal. I mean that that, that there you know that time in in the world was you know you know, and I hope we're out of it, but you never know. And so uh, it was a closed group for people just just in my high school class. All, all at the same time together for the first time in our lives in these circumstances, which is highly unusual in that cohort, but worldwide, absolutely the most yeah. incredible thing. But um, some good is coming out of it, the Abe Lincoln Film Company. Yeah. And, and here's what I'm hearing. The thing that I like about movies is many, many, many aspects, but some important components or of course the visuals, how you edit what you got. Yeah. You got to start out with a lot of good stuff, but you got to edit it well, and then the music. And see, you came in with starting out with the camera, the basic equipment, learn how to run that. But you said a very interesting thing about nailing down hours and hours on the Da Vinci. I think you said yeah. software. And so you're able, as the filmmaker, not to have. I mean, at some point you have other people help, but you have a vision. You're stepping on the gas pedal, controlling everything right from the get go. Yeah, I you know I, I thought about this and you know it's it's certainly a one man show. I wanted to add a skill, um, and that's kind of where I started with. And and I spent a long time learning the software. I, I thought, okay, well, if I can do the editing, I can. I, I learned that I can tell the story, and so the editing was really my first piece of it. And then I've always been a music lover, so adding in the music was was easy. 
it, it, it makes the story better. And then really that last piece, there are a lot of pieces, was finding the camera, finding the lights, you know, learning about cinematography. And I'm, I'm no expert by any means, um, but then learning how to manage the, the, the video and doing color grading and color, you know, and, and managing all the color and then mixing the sound and kind of creating a product. And I didn't realize, you know, you don't really realize what it takes to make something like that. I mean, we watch things on TV or films or on YouTube all the time, but all that editing and cutting and, you know, it's, it's, uh, I can put, you know, I think the very first uh, episode I put of my, my my web series was, you know, I mean, it was 12 to 15 minutes long, but it took me eight to 10 hours to edit it down, you know? And I'm like, wow, there's a lot of work here. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those things which I learned that I kind of got in the flow. Once I was there and once I was working, it was something I really enjoyed doing. I didn't necessarily know how it was going to come out until it did. I liked it and, I, you know, I got a lot of lot of uh, good accolades for it. And I thought, no, maybe this is something I might want to pursue a little bit further. So for our listeners on this podcast, can they go to Vimeo right now and find uh, Abe Lincoln Films? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm on Vimeo. Um, It's Abe Lincoln Films, all one word, all smushed together there. Um, I have a few things out. Um, You, I'm, I'm working, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the documentary that I'm working on. I'm also, uh, I, I just put up some videos. I'm doing um, music videos for a local artist, um, uh, Amalia Fleming. She had a show out in Harmony this weekend. Uh, filmed some of that and, you know, again, back to mixing the sound and, and try, to, try to pull the wind out and, and the sheep and the trucks that go by <laughs> and, and get a good vocal um, with some good videos with, you know, it's outside, so sunset, sun's going yeah, down. A lot of dynamics. There are a lot of dynamics. You think you just yeah. point and shoot, and, and there's a whole lot more than, than, than point and shooting. So Are you trying to tell me that we should get a truck driving by to make this sound real? I, I, well, you know, <laughs> it, it, you just got to work in, 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 in editing later to get it out. There so. you go. There you go. You know, when I hear you talk about the work, um, uh, putting it in, you know, like you said, you're willing to do it to get the end result. But you started with somebody that realized finally that the impact of people's work, when you went in and experienced all these videos you would rent, a movie, the theater, a combination of both, that impact was designed, some better than others. And now you're in the driver's seat taking the sound, the editing, and um, and so you realize that, like, for instance, this project that you're doing, you're, uh, I want to go down that avenue because there's an intention, as I understand it, to cover some history in San Luis Obispo right. from the 70s, maybe 1970 forward. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're right. You, you, you do get to tell a story and you get to, and it's more than presenting facts, right? Because once you involve lighting and sound and and how you choose the story you know there's an emotional connection there so i i am a i'm a cyclist i ride every morning um and pretty much ride you know a big loop around slow and um it it was obviously quiet for quite a while in the last year and and i would see places in san luis i would ride by you know like california and foothill or the courthouse or and i would remember um, or and or imagine these events with huge amounts of people there, 
And, you know, uh, you know, uh, June something in 2020, it was silent. There was nobody around. And so that's kind of how I started this concept of uh, putting together a documentary uh, around slow. I figured, okay, I can, I can do this, at least what I thought. And so I did spend quite a few, quite a bit of time on the, the History Museum, the website, because it wasn't open. And one of the things I started to, to see was, at least from my perspective, a lot of history kind of, uh, at least pictures, you know, they stop before the trees are overgrown in Hygiera, right? Because not everybody considers, you know, the 80s history. I mean, yeah. as, a, as a kid in the 80s, I don't necessarily want to consider it history myself either. No, no. But, you know, you do the math and we're talking 40, 50 years now. So I started putting together part of my memory and, and places in, in here that things that, I, that were big that may not have been always covered um, some of the current ones, certainly, but but not as much. And uh, tried to tie together a story a little bit. Yeah. You know, I, I'm on Facebook, and there's the, you know, if you grew up in slow, all these 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 uh, Facebook groups. And I threw some of the ideas out and, and kind of saw what resonated. So a lot of what I'm doing is about kind of connecting people and, and, and creating stories that, that bring people together and invoke some sort of passion. If if you don't if you don't uh, figure out how to tie something emotional in, you know your your view span. You, the people watch you know four seconds of your video and then move on, right? You got to hook them somehow. And it's fascinating that you would start talking about the visual aspects because I moved to San Luis Obispo in '03, and okay. um, so I've been here almost twenty years now, a couple of decades, and um, I've met a lot of people that were born here lived here all their lives, um, <clears throat> tried to glean as much as I can. And, of course, when you move here, people will go, oh, my gosh, did you ever hear about what happened at Polly Royal? Mm. Or did you hear about what happened X, Y, and Z? And, and the videos that I saw, the video that covered some of those events, a string of them, that gives like a hint of the documentary you're making, it, it reminded me of what I got snippets of now being – put into stories of individuals and of course now a documentary is is the coming thing but just hearing the sentences fleshed out into paragraphs for me was fascinating and i haven't i didn't even grow up here right i'm kind of an outsider i've been here a couple of decades now but still you know love this area i call it home i identify with it but to hear that from the people that were here now fleshed out is uh, the difference maybe between drive-by news and a full in-depth, like maybe PBS kind of gets a little deeper in stories that aren't for an hour. Right. A lot of what we see for half an hour is so quick. So I'm liking what I'm seeing so far from that sense that it will take the, you know, thank God for people who are still talking those things. You're catching those people who are still talking. About <clears throat> right. It, yeah. it is interesting to, um, you know, I, I, I've taken a lot of online classes, had a lot of time, and... Um, I don't know if you've seen these master classes, but I, I, I took this Ken Burns documentary master class. You know, it's like it's it's like 18 lectures or something. And I've done some other ones. And so I have some concept of how I, I'm trying to put a documentary together. You know, I haven't done that before. But it's it's very interesting trying to put a, a historical story together with people who are still alive, right? It, it's a lot less controversial if, if you're looking at history, you know, a little further away. Nobody has uh, has agendas and all those stories. But 
Um, I think it's more fun at putting it together when you still can you can still bring people together. So, yeah. you know, I, I was fascinated too. So I came to to Cal Poly in 1988. I grew up a couple hours north of here. Um, and then I left, and then I came back, and I certainly feel like you know I I was here a while ago, and I'm here now. But you kind of mentioned it, and and there is a very there's a sense of people who have been here for a long time, um, and and everybody else who's shown up, yeah, right? And yeah. and I mean we're we're a college town, so you get a lot of people coming in, and yeah. and some try to stay, and some leave, and so there's a lot of transition. Um, and so I looked a lot at the history of Cal Poly and its impact on this 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 place, and it's fascinating to me uh, because you know even in in so many ways, San Luis County. Is is still divided. I mean, if we're talking about politic politics, um, you Regions know, viewpoints. Of our county. Yeah, you know, and so I kind of wanted to see what that is, and you know, I, I dug a lot of stuff up about some of the policies uh, in Cal Poly. I don't know if you know, Cal Poly was an all male school up until like ni- 1957, I think, um, so, which is late, you know, and it in somewhere in the 60s it was. Um, uh, voted one of the it was the second most conservative college in the country after BYU wow. because it was a a it was primarily an agriculture school mm-hmm. and the flow of folks were coming from Central Valley you mm-hmm. know they're coming in and and so it was a very different dynamic and a couple things changed um, our school of architecture showed up and and some of the policies changed that really made. Cal Poly, a competitive school. So you notice we're not San Luis Obispo State. Yes. Right? So there's a reason for that. And there was a a real reason for Cal Poly to compete Mm. with not only UCs, Mm. but um, private colleges as well. And that drew people from the coast. It, It drew much more wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I talked to someone who was going to Cal Poly and remembers when it was all pickup trucks and, and then, then, you know, the first Trans Am shows up and, and so there's this, you know, money starts to play a role and some of the, some of the, the, the tension I think starts mm. and that, that all happens in the seventies mm. and really what changes in my view and, and I'm no historian, but I've been doing this a little bit is the Diablo Canyon power plant mm-hmm. comes and there's huge protests. And it really kind of puts our county on the map. Yes. Um, and so we have a lot of people coming from, you know, San Francisco and L.A., a lot of protests. Um, and a lot of those people came and, and found us and stayed. But that is kind of that one, that moment, mm. um, you know, there were 40,000 people protesting at Diablo Canyon in, in June of 1979. That is a huge amount of people to come to this county. Not, not in, and so there were a couple, you know, so Jackson Brown, everybody knows, was yeah. there. Bonnie Raitt was there. Yeah. The then governor, Jerry Brown, was there at the protest. Mm. Um, so it's a really, and we used one of the f- interesting things, we used um, the gym at Cuesta as a holdover for when our jails filled up because we were, they were arresting all the protesters. Wow. Wow, to put the extras to put out there. extra, yeah. So the you know, so there's these little things that happen, and you're like, wow. <laughs> um, but but that point for me changes the dynamics of mm. San Luis pretty much 
and up the, until now. The role of our town, the character, some of the major streams. Fascinating to look back. Like you say, a lot of people go, it's not that long ago, but 40, 50 years now, yeah. we're talking half a century. And uh, you don't want to be at the party, you know, in 1990 when they call the 70s the oldies, but after 20 years, things start to, you yeah. know, but you're documenting those stories with yeah. the challenge of, of trying to reach those people and yet sift through what's being told and present something cohesive. Uh yeah, I'm yeah. trying. I'm trying to to create the stories. I'm trying to hear both sides. You know, for example, I one of the the first people I interviewed around Diablo Canyon was not a protester, but was one of the uh, uh, police officers who was called up from Ventura. Um, so I'm looking at events that sometimes were contentious, sometimes didn't end well, some did, but got a lot of people involved out on the streets. A lot of discussion around. Some are smaller, some are bigger, um, but it, but those are the stories that that you're right. People still have. You know, I was mm -hmm. at Polly Royal, the riot in ninety in eighty in ninety. I witnessed. I, I was right in the middle of it. I lived on Foothill Garden Department. I I saw the whole thing, and there's that moment of connection when you hear other people there. Yeah. And then you know you talk about Mardi Gras in two thousand four, and it was. You know, had become this huge, huge event, and people loved it. And you know, it went on for weeks before um, you know the actual parade, and uh, and 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 people put so much time and effort. And then it you know got out of control, and we lost that. We lost that. Yeah. So and it, and it makes you wonder. I mean, as you're doing this, I mean, in my mind, I hear these stories, and it goes, well, what if? You know, what if the opportunity arose to do something maybe a little bit different and not have a negative outcome? Because people, especially coming out of the sheltering in place, you know, right. what if we could take art after dark and expand it and create, you know, a festival after dark, something where the arts are expanded from downtown to city countywide and went beyond paintings and, and wine to culinary arts and dance and, you know, music and things. So you look at that, and 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 then maybe some people go, "Oh my gosh, you know what happened then?" So <laughs> you get a lot of that, right? And yeah. that's that's kind of you know part of the other you know impetus for this project was you know and, and my working title for this was slow boil, because it's like every eight to ten years to fifteen years something boiled up and kind of lost a little bit of control. Um, I mean, Polly Royal had been going on for 40 years, wow. and and wow. after the riots, it pretty much disappeared. Ten years later, it came back in a really different fashion. Uh, certainly, protests are at the moment, so those aren't aren't necessarily planned. But Mardi Gras had been going on since the 70s as well, wow. um, and then and then then that's that's gone. And and part of looking back at your history should be maybe uh, a, a viewpoint of. What can you do different or what can you do better? Um, and maybe the answer isn't to completely shut it down, right? I mean, we have a lot of culture here. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of energy and creativity and and we have a population that, you know, is continually refreshed at Cal Poly, right? We bring in uh, 10, 15,000, however many students each year and, and there's a lot of creativity there. And that's what makes this town different and special. I mean... This isn't, you know, no offense to Eureka or something up in in, in a different part of California yeah. that doesn't change, that sits with its history. Yeah. We've got history, but we've got a lot of youth and excitement. And so um, 
part of what I'm trying to do is tell these stories. And, you know, uh, I, I do include the, the Black Lives Matter protest last year as, as the, the sixth of my story. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to also bring, you know, if I'm bringing in the folks who were at the Diablo Canyon protest, right, who are, who are at Social Security age at this point, and, and then kind of tying it all the way through to something that happened last summer, mm-hmm. um, it gives reason for everybody to get a little perspective um, in, in different places. Because there aren't there are probably some, but there's not many people who were at each one of these events. That's a broader panorama, and I think we benefit backing up. You know, I always talk about the analogy... And so often our understanding of news is that way. You take a peep through the keyhole at one part of the parade and you're sure everybody's got long necks. Right. Or everybody weighs 300 pounds. I saw it. And yet you step back. Sponsor support for the Slow Talk podcast is brought to you by our friends at Big Sky Cafe San Luis Obispo, where they depend on local farmers, ranchers, vintners, and San Luis Obispo County brewmasters to help them create their real food by real people. This commitment to fresh market fare and a seasonal-inspired menu has made Big Sky Cafe a downtown local's favorite. Sky Cafe online at BigSkyCafe.com and visit them today at 1121 Broad Street, San Luis Obispo, and tell them Slow Talk Center. It's fascinating now just to stand, sit here and to think, maybe for the first time, all right, this county experienced significant protests that galvanized, brought national attention in the 70s over nuclear power, the reaction to it, the 80s. And then just recently with Black Lives Matter, you know what? There are some parallels that's fascinating that I hadn't thought about, really. And yet there are two, uh, two situations or two protest movements that started. Uh, yeah, there are. Uh, I found a mother and a son. A mother was at Diablo and the son was at BLM. Hmm. You know, so it, it does. It does. Hmm. It, you know, it, it does cross right. and it, it crosses a generation. Um, and there are a lot of things and there are stories. And sometimes... Slow seems like a little bit of a sleepy town, yeah. but it's not. Um, and and sometimes we do things right and things go well, and sometimes we don't. You know, you know the the women's march was a great example of something that went really well. I mean, it was ten thousand people uh, for a fantastic cause, and no arrests. You know, uh, it was it was a march. There were no arrests, and and that's an example of of how we can make voices heard and, and things do end up going well. But sometimes they don't, too. Yeah. And, and I think that having that um, look at, at both sides gives you, you know, if, if you're trying to be objective and you're trying to look at it from a history perspective yeah. and not, you know, tilt one way or the other too much, um, you kind of have to look at, at, at all those. And, and so that was, those are the, some of the events that, that kind of keyed my interest. You know, speaking of the Black Lives Matter protests recently, I actually was on my way to go to the local Goodwill to donate some clothes, some nice clothes that we had saved and were not able, I think, for 12 months to go down. And so the day in June of last year, when some of those started in our county, I actually ran right into it. 
And for Slow Talk, it was a turning point for us to see, you know, uh, experience something as it was unfolding and then come back on Thursday and then go to Morro Bay on Saturday. And I thought about the quote, Abe, you know, people just go, well, history repeats itself, just kind of flippant, right? I thought about that and I said, no, history doesn't repeat itself. People repeat history. And so I'm kind of along the lines thinking, well, maybe there's some things in this, some seeds of understanding of how things went awry or how things were misunderstood. Or maybe when we get different sides, we can get a clearer story and maybe really grasp more about where our community is heading. I I think you're a very important part of that, man. <laughs> Thank I, you. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not just saying that at flattery. I mean, I think what you're doing is going to help shape our understanding, uh, you know, maybe not so much of what people think of this community, but what we think living in this community and how we move forward, because we're the ones that live here and the tourists come and go. That, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And and the the town will, will be shaped by, you know, it, it's, it is a small town. It is a small town. And, you know, I, uh, I learned that I, there's a lot of opinions and there's a lot of, you know, ideas and there's a lot of creative people. But at the end of the day, it is a pretty small town. In, in several things I've done in the last few years I've been here, I've, I've figured that out and I've talked to a lot of people. But that also means that, that you can have influence and the town can be something that, that we collectively create. And, you know, I, I just hope it's a, it's a place that, that uh, you know, we create with some intention um, as opposed to just reaction. And so uh, I thought it'd be good to, you know, take a quick look over our shoulder and see what, what worked and what didn't work and, um, you know, maybe bring a Mardi Gras back or something like that, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, I like, I, I got to say this, I like where you're coming from because I'm not just looking at one aspect of your livelihood and involvement. I mean, you're living this community, have a family, uh, you're exercising, you're raising money for nonprofits doing some good stuff, not just yesterday, but the day before. The intention of these films, I think, you know, uh, is, is really good. I think it's needed for us to understand, you know, maybe how we can do things better or maybe a little clearer what did happen, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to get a clearer picture hearing all these stories put together and crafted. Of course, that's where you come in with the editing and the money you spent on the Ken Burns thing. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> See if you get your money's worth. Yeah. Yeah, he's done some really fun projects, though. Absolutely. Country music and baseball, baseball. and prohibition and... Yeah. My gosh. Yeah. I figured I had to start somewhere, so... Yeah. I, you know, I, I thought about a lot of things, you know, what what I was going to do, and I thought, well, I've kind of got a built-in audience here, right? If, if, if my project uh, only attracts the folks who live here, then I'm pretty happy with it. Mm. Um, so, and if nothing else, I'll get to talk to a lot of people, which... I tend to like to do anyway. So, so Abe, um, a lot of people during the shelter in place, uh, lockup, whatever you want to call it, a lot of people have had to reshift gears. Some people may, I'm getting the sense, some people have not fully shifted yet. They're still kind of going, okay, this has been tough. And I, I get that. Um, and in some ways, you know, uh, there's areas of maybe, you know, other areas that we, we haven't you know, stepped out in. So, for people listening to this podcast that stumbled across the slow talk, you know, in Abe Lincoln Films, just in taking those first few steps, and I heard you say you bought a camera with a check and stuff, internally, what happened? 
were there struggles to pull some triggers before you pulled them? Because we're hearing the good stuff, yeah, and that's what got my attention. But was there some stumbling blocks that you had to get around personally and professionally to, to get you to that point where you pulled the triggers, man? Well, you know, it's it's interesting um, when I when I think about the, something I I had thought about for a long time and really never believed it believed I could. There's always a, there's always some doubt, sure, you know, and when you take some classes and you learn a little bit of software, that's that's pretty cheap. That's pretty easy to do. It's just your time that you're spending. And, you know, for me, I need to make sure, okay, is this, you know, a passing a passing fancy, right? Is this just my my what I'm doing today? And, you know, it, it may be. Uh, I realize I realize that about myself. You know, you gotta have some self actualization there. But, you know, when you start to think about investing in some equipment, you think about, you know, I mean, we're looking at the, the studio you're sitting in. It's not cheap, right? If you want to do something, you should you want to do it well. Um, that means you've got to put some some dollars and some effort into the equipment, into the process. And so there was certainly, you know, mm, boy, I'm, I'm going to jump. I, I hope this works out. And, and uh, you know, there's part of me that's still right there. You know, I, I, I do believe in that. Uh, there's a saying, you know, uh, jump first and, you know, build your wings on the way down. So that's a bit of my personality. I thought, you know what, time is right. Might as well start now. You know, my first projects may be terrible, but if I stay with it, you know, in five, ten years, they may be great. And what I really found was, and this is one of the, you know, one of the few times in my life I've, most of my life has been in, in the corporate world, working for big companies, working for the paycheck. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's what has always, you know, uh, out of Cal Poly, I went to the business school here and mm -hmm. and started in, in corporate America pretty much right after that. What did you graduate in from Cal Poly? Uh, I was a business major. <laughs> I, I had a, a degree, my degree was in finance. Um, and so... You know, and coming out of the 80s, you expected, you know, just to walk into big money after that. Of course, uh, graduating early 90s in the first recession was not the way to do it. But so this was a, a move that was more following a passion. Um, you know, I, I'm, as I said, I turned 50 last year. I'm not thinking that, you know, I'm, I'm the next Steven Spielberg at this point in my life to come up with this. So it's it's not a financial thing. It's more about something that I wanted to do um, that I thought I, c I might be able to do this. And it and it's really a lot of creativity combined with a lot of technical. There's a lot of technical skills to it, and there's a lot of moving parts. Um, if you're going to do the whole thing, you know, if you if you're going to you've got to learn about lighting, you've got to learn about sound, you've got to learn about editing, you've got to learn about uh, you know, how to work the camera. You got to learn how to, you know, I have a shotgun mic. I have lav mics. I got to, you know, balance the sound. So scheduling uh, interviews, releases. Well, scheduling interviews, you know, I mean, just, just finding people to talk. Um, and then, then if you get all of that and put it together, then you got to figure out how to sell your movie. Or sell your product. You got to go Sponsorship. and you got to promote it. You got to yeah. fund it, right? Yeah. You know, I, I you know, uh, you got to look at at grants or somebody who wants to be a, an executive director. You got to try to fund the thing, and and so there's just junior benefactor. I mean, let's give them a title. That's <laughs> right. There's so many pieces yeah. to to yeah. doing it that I kind of thought, well, this will keep me busy, and it's following a passion and. 
like I said, I, I, I kind of believe in, in jumping first and building the wings on the way down. So um, I jumped. Yeah, but you put some time and money into it. You're still doing that. But yeah. like you said, you learned early on hours and hours on that software. But even if you pass the baton, you know how to execute that, how to call the shots on that. You know what's possible in getting your vision brought about. Yeah. And you're doing that from the beginning on all these aspects. And you do that when you're an entrepreneur. But um, filmmaking to me is fascinating, especially what you can get out of it, what you can put out there and the impact you can have on people. Yeah. One yeah. of the things that's really been interesting for me uh, in on the editing side is um, learning what to edit, right? Because at, at this point, I have hours and hours and hours of footage and nobody's going to watch a you know a seventy two hour movie, right? So, yeah. and you said you said earlier in this interview that you actually had taken twenty hours and got a twelve to eighteen minute, is yeah. that something like that, right? Yeah, it, it, it takes a lot of time to and and it's interesting to me because you you listen for those moments and and you listen and you're like, okay, that's it, that's 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 the cat. I didn't know I caught it when I did, but now I found it and. And so that part itself is is a pretty cool way to, to, to go through it. So this episode of the Slow Talk Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dining for Charities, featuring half-off dining at some of the Central Coast's best restaurants, with proceeds benefiting local Central Coast charitable organizations. Purchase restaurant and partner certificates for up to 50% off at DiningForCharities.com and local Slow County charities like Woods Humane Society of San Luis Obispo receive 15% of all certificate sales for that month. Check out Dining for Charities at DiningForCharities.com to purchase your certificates today and save money and help local charities. You know, I, I appreciate you giving some advice, you know, talking, maybe not advice, but just experience talking about what you went through, pulling the triggers, um, you know, and stepping out. And I think something about the decades of our life, you know, maybe we're speaking to people who've turned 40, 50, 60, whatever, but something about a marker in life, a time, especially during this time, we're all in it together and kind of having to rethink things for financial, personal, professional reasons, just health reasons. And um, to have the opportunity to take stock is that term that's so often used to reflect. This was an elongated period, and, um, you know, it looks like some good things are coming out of that that have a wider, not only fulfilling something in you, but have this wider community benefit at the same time. Yeah, you know, it's true, and it's one of the things, like I said, I started it for myself, and I put a couple things out there, and it kind of moved around, and like I said, I've got a couple music videos that I did. I'm, I in, I'm volunteering over at um, TEMA, Transitions Mental Health, and I had just been mentioning what I was doing with to Michael Kaplan over there, and I'm going to work on a, a video for for their end of year. You know, he's like, this would be great. He he was a, a screenwriter there in Hollywood back in the 80s and 90s, and so I'm going to put together some work and put a film together for a nonprofit that that works for me. Excellent. It's one of those things that once you start, 
you just don't know kind of what's going to happen next. And yeah. if you're yeah. open to it, um, and and you can you know offer something and and help, um, you know, there's a lot of doors, and uh, that's you know so. I, I have some plans, but you know, I, one of your questions uh, I, for me is what's the next couple months, and you know, yeah. I'm okay. I'm putting some of the the documentary a little bit on the back burner because I worked on some music stuff. I'm going to work on a project that'll be done in a couple months for one of the the local nonprofits here, um, and so and and you you just don't know what something like this leads to, but that's kind of the exciting thing. So. You're, you're preparing, and you're prepared, and you're moving, and um, you're able to shift gears and then kind of back off when you need to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is the, you know, the nice part of, uh, uh, there's there's good and bad of being the one-man show, right? <laughs> being the one-man show means you got to do it all, and some parts you're better at and some parts you aren't. Um, it also means that, uh, you know, you you got to find your own motivation and your time and your energy to do stuff. Um, but it also means you can you can adjust your schedule when you need to as well. You know, my brain flashback while you were talking, Abe, about your work in interviewing. You know, I mentioned the the, the struggle to get interviews, but you know, uh, with the studio that we had previously up in Atascadero, we're located in San Luis Obispo now. And when you did the More Than Believe, one of the things that I benefited from, like a fly on the wall, is the uh, you know the studio that provided that space and, and helped to produce that was um, the diversity of the guests that you attracted to come in and tell their stories. That uh, some of those people are coming back here now with mm-hmm. different hats on or different roles or different involvement, but that was a diverse group of people that will probably, I think, appear some of those stories and some of the documentaries coming up because they tied in exactly what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. some of these issues that we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of interesting people here. And, um, you know, one, it was hard for me, you know, as, as, a, as a true extrovert, you know, I, I would, uh, pre-pandemic, you know, I'd go hang out at a coffee shop anywhere and... Um, see people I knew, you know, you walk around downtown in the middle of the week and I'll strike up a conversation all the time. And so yeah. having that taken away from me was pretty tough. Yeah. Um, That's something we really enjoy in this area. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was, that was, that was pretty tough, but you know, you do, you can find people who are willing to tell their stories, which is good. The, the, the tough part is sometimes the scheduling piece. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, Abe, as we get ready to, um, to conclude this interview for today and just wrap things up. I just think about the privilege, not necessarily the techniques and the skills and all the nuts and bolts that we talked about, but just the privilege of taking time to have that extended cup, cup of coffee, uh, you know, so to speak, and to sit down and to gather stories now, not just audibly, but audibly, visibly, visibly, but the time to sit with folks. I get that in the podcast studio and it's very rich. And now you're doing it. I guess you're taking it to the streets. You're so, now now that the shelter's uh, over or getting over, you're starting to have those coffee meetings and stuff. What's that like, man? For once again, after 18 months, <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. If I if I can't, you know, sometimes I I have an initial meeting, um, and I have coffee. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's an email back and forth, and then when I interview somebody. Um, you know, I, I sometimes I get to go to their home. I, I, I'm on the board over at Hospice Slow, and that's a fantastic house, and they've let me use that there. 
I come with a lot more equipment now, right? I, I've got, you know, full sets of lights and, and the tripod and the, and the mics and the whole thing. <laughs> but because I've talked with people and interviewed so many people, I, I work really hard at making all that equipment go away. Yeah. And, and having that coffee shop experience and having the conversation where you forget that you're being recorded, that you're, you, that you, you're not there. Because I think those are the moments that, that really are, are genuine and authentic. Mm-hmm. And those are the moments that are really good in your story, in your, in your, in your podcast, in your film. You know, those moments where yeah. people can listen and um, feel like, yeah, I'm having that conversation. I know what that's like. I caught that, and I actually thought that myself as I watched your, your documentary, the video clips there on Vimeo. And I actually had, that's why I said coffee house. Some of those were not coffee house. They were just sit downs. But I got that feeling that came across regardless of whether they were not. And to me, when you get that, you're getting some engagement. You're, you're touching the spirit of that person. And I felt that with, with what you did so far, man. It was pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, you, you, uh, if you, if you can make people comfortable... Right. Yeah. And and you can both open up. Yeah. You can you can get some good stories. So. Cover some new ground. Yeah. And um, you know we so much appreciate this podcast episode. Our guest uh, being Abe Lincoln with Abe Lincoln Films. Check him out on Facebook. Uh, check out his website. Check him out on Vimeo, and uh, some of his actual work. We're looking forward to seeing how this documentary is going to develop, and then also, you know, some of the connections on the funding, because I think there's some really good folks that want to see the story of Slow be told in a better way and to help us uh, maybe to grow as a city. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I appreciate this time, and um, uh, it, it's going to be an interesting journey. You know, I, I have some ideas, but I've, I've definitely learned that the story is going to tell itself. You just have to show up and and uh, help it go along. And so um, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm hopeful for it. And uh, I, I am hopeful that it touches people and people do want to be a part of it uh, in, in the town that we, that we have here. So. And in, in closing, part of guests, do you ask the guests if there's anybody that they know that might be able to speak to? All the time. So with that said, I'd like you to think about who a really, really good guest would be for Slow Talk. You got and, it. Uh, yeah, and, and let me know, or a okay. couple. That's a great. Because I, I, I just... I do the same thing. I, you know, I hadn't done that before, though. So I'm starting to reach out and kind of go, let me get beyond who I know and maybe kind of get, from your perspective, somebody that should be in that chair. And I appreciate that, Abe. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.